welcome back to the Rockabye Mama Baby and Toddler Sleep Podcast. I am so glad that you found me. My goal through this podcast, through my Instagram, through my blog, is to educate tired parents who want to change their child's sleepless habits. Each week, I come here with one topic related to baby and toddler sleep, and I break it down for you so that you can change your current sleep story if you want, because that's the key here. I want to empower you to make the choices that feel right for you. So if you're fine with where you are, perfect. But if you're ready to make some changes, then I want to equip you so that you are prepared to do so. So let's get right into today's episode. One of the top things that people come to me for on Instagram with my email or even through discovery calls is, Katie, I want my child to sleep better. They are waking up all throughout the night. They cannot go to sleep independently. The moment I put them down, they're awake. And here's the thing, and I'm starting this episode this way because it's very, very, very important. The way that you're putting your child to sleep is important. The way you are putting your child to sleep is important. Here's the thing. I read in a book once this analogy, and it's so, so good. I'm going to share it here. And I don't, I can't think off off the top of my head which book it was. But if I think about it, I will put it in the show notes. I want you to imagine that you go to sleep in your bed. Nice, cozy pillows, nice blanket. It's so warm. And you drift off to the nice sound of your sound machine playing in the background. A few hours later, you wake up and you realize you're cold and your blanket's not there, nor are your pillows. And in fact, you're not in your bed anymore. You're on your living room floor. And, you know, at first it's kind of confusing, but you go back to your room and you go back to sleep after a little while. And a few hours later, you wake up and there you are again, back on your living room floor. Now, imagine that you come to find out that every time you go to sleep in your room, someone actually comes into your house, they pick you up, and they move you to your living room floor every single time. Well, you might protest sleep. You might not want to go to sleep because you want to catch these people in the act, or you might want to prevent that from happening, or you might go to great lengths to prevent anything from changing your sleep environment. And the same is happening with your child when you are putting them to sleep one way and then putting them down in their crib. If you're putting them to sleep, uh, maybe you rock them to sleep and they're in your arms. It's so nice. And then you gently lay them down in their crib when they wake up in the middle of the night, which all humans wake up in the middle of the night. That is completely natural except that normally we look around, everything's fine, and we just go back to sleep, and we don't even remember that we woke up. So when your child awakens from one of their sleep cycles, and they are in a new location, essentially, they're in the living room in that analogy, they are no longer in your arms, they're going to be confused. Or at the very least, they're going to want you to come back and rock them back to sleep, because that's what they know. So please understand that it is very important how you put your child to sleep. Now, I'm not saying one way is better than another. If you enjoy rocking your child to sleep, that is perfectly fine. But please be fair to your child. That's what they're going to want in the middle of the night when they wake up. And if you're not willing to provide that every time, please consider 
introducing a new way for them to fall asleep that is sustainable for you. So with that out of the way, I had to say that because it's so important that you know that how your child falls asleep is very important. I want to get further into this because at the bottom uh, or at the end of the day, the question always remains, is my child going to cry? When I put them in their crib or if I introduce a new way for them to fall asleep that is sustainable, are they going to cry? Katie, I don't want them to cry it out. What are my other options? And that is what we're going to get in today. What is cry it out? And what are your other options when you're ready to sleep train your child? Of course, before we go on, I have to make sure we have the same definition of cry it out because you'll hear that term often. Cry it out can mean so many different things to so many different people. For some people, that is extinction. That is the method when you put your child in their room, you close the door at bedtime and you do not come back into their room until it is morning time. Even if they're crying, even if they wake up, you just don't go into their room. That is extinction. So some people know cry it out as extinction. And ultimately, when I say cry it out, that is what I refer to. Cry it out equals extinction. You are letting your child cry it out. There are other methods that like time checks where you give your child set intervals until you go back and check on them. That is not cry it out. Your child may or may not cry. It depends on their temperament. That is not a cry it out method truly at the end of the day. So I want you to know that when I say cry it out, it is meaning extinction. And I want you to have it in your mind that that is what it means also. So the first thing I want to ask is why are you opposed to any sort of crying? Okay, now if you're opposed to cry it out, you don't want to put your child in the room and just not check on them. That's fine. That is perfectly fine. You do not have to do that. That is not a method that I did with my child and it is not a method that I've recommended with families except one. There was only one family after we had tried every other thing that I recommended they do this. Mom did not feel comfortable, so we didn't and that's fine. But why are you opposed to crying? It's important that you understand that question or your answer to it. Because you need to know whether there's any sort of wiggle room, if you will. So here's the thing. If you're opposed to crying because you feel like you want to be there for your child, you need to know that. If you're opposed to crying because it makes you very anxious, you need to know that. Knowing why you don't feel comfortable with the tears is important because no matter what you do, Anytime there is change with your child's routine or schedule or structure or the methods you're using, they might cry. That is one of the ways that they communicate with you right now. And you, I, I encourage you to just be open-minded to the fact that there might be some tears and it's okay because the tears that you'll see with any sleep training are very different than tears that they will experience if they get hurt or if they are in pain, or if they really truly need something. So you know the nuances of your child's cries, and you'll be able to determine when your child 
really needs you. So that's the first thing I really want you to take a minute and think about. Are you opposed to any crying? What is your limit? And if you don't want any crying, like you want to be very, very, very responsive to them, that's fine. But I want you to then know that it might take a little longer because for some kids, being very, very, very responsive and very involved in the process doesn't always work for them. We'll get more into that in a little bit. So now that we got that settled, let's talk about cry it out, aka extinction, versus the other methods. Okay, so what are the other methods? If you know that you're not comfortable with cry it out or extinction, then what are your choices? How can you get your child sleeping independently? What can you do? So I want you to think of it kind of as, uh, well, I'm drinking coffee right now. So think of it like you're going into a coffee shop. Okay, there's different things depending on what you need. If you just need a little bit of a pick-me-up, maybe you'll get a cup of tea. If you really need a, a, a wake-up, you'll get like an espresso shot or a double espresso. Not every single person who comes into that coffee shop is going to get an espresso. That is going to be way too much for them. On the other hand, not everyone's going to come in and get a tea because that might not be enough caffeine for every single person. So it's really the same with these sleep methods I'm going to talk about. Not every one will work for every child, nor will it work for every parent. So it's a, it's a fine balance, finding a method that works for you, that you can con- consistently implement, but also works for your child. So let's think of it as the uh, coffee shop analogy, right? If we have on one side our espresso shots, That's similar to extinction. It gets the job done and it's fast. You put your child in the room, you don't go back and check on them. I do not recommend this for everyone. It really, really comes down to your child and the situation because let's face it, some kids might do better just not having that stimulation. But for the majority of kids, I would not recommend that. But that is an option if you know that that's right for you extinction aka cry it out now let's move down the ladder of caffeinated beverages aka sleep training methods here so on that side extinction next up so a little less strong will be your timed intervals or your time checks and essentially that is what it is you have set intervals where you go and check on your child put them in their bed, you leave the room and you come back at certain times, whether that is every five minutes or you start with five minutes, you increase it to 10 minutes and then 15 minutes. That's up to you and works what works for your child. But that is timed intervals. Now that works really well for kids, for toddlers who maybe are learning to sleep in their own room and they will need mom and dad support, but they might not do well with mom and dad staying in the room. So that is one option for you. Now, if you are the kind of person or your child is the kind of person where it would be better for you to stay in the room, then the next option is camping out or the chair method. It depends on how you might've heard that before. But with this method, you are staying in your child's room, you're camping out, 
and you are gradually weaning them off of the support that you're giving them. So on the first night, you might be laying in bed with them if they're a toddler, or you might be sitting right next to their crib if they're a baby, and you are giving them as much support as possible to help them get used to falling asleep in their new space. And then as the nights go on, you are gradually moving out of the room. That might mean you're gradually moving off of the bed or you're gradually moving away from the crib and you're offering less support as you go. For some kids, this is great. And for some parents, this is great. For others, it might just be too much stimulation. For your young children, it might just be too much. And they might just stare at you and think, why aren't you coming over here to pick me up now? What is going on? And that might upset them even more. And then for some parents, that's hard to sit in the room and watch their child cry. So it's up to you if you feel like that is the method for you, but that lets you stay in the room and offer that support. Okay, those are the three main methods that you will hear or that you will see when you read about. We have extinction, aka cry it out, where you put your child in the room, you don't come back for 12 hours until the next morning. Timed intervals where you're giving your child check-ins and then camping out where you're staying in the room with your child until they fall asleep. Now, of course, within each of those, there's so much variety that can be done. And so when I work with families, we create custom plans to fine tune each of those methods because for some families, maybe they want to do timed intervals and it's very beneficial if when they do that time check, they pick up their child and they comfort their child. For other families, that's not something that they want to do or it won't be good for the child. So they can just go in, quickly reassure the baby and leave the room. So it really depends on your child. You know your child best. So you'll have to kind of fine tune that on your own so that you're doing what feels right for your family. But Katie, how do I know which method to select? I don't know what is the right thing to do. I want you to start with the method that you feel comfortable with and base it on what you know about your child. So it's important that you pick something that you're willing to commit to, but also something that's going to be good for your child. Generally speaking, younger children, younger babies need more support and older children can use less support. So that might mean if you want to do time checks for younger babies, you might want to start with small intervals, but as they grow older, you can expand those intervals. I really want you to also pay attention to how your child responds in the moment because if you begin one technique and after three days you're not seeing any progress whatsoever, you might need to select a different option. I encourage you to commit to a method for at least a week. But typically around day three is when you start to notice some changes. So that might mean your baby's crying less or they're falling asleep faster. And if you've gotten to that point and you're not seeing any progress, it's a sign that maybe this isn't the right method for your child. So you want to find something else. You don't want your child to be frustrated during this process, right? So be willing to adjust and try something different. Now, I also want to address a very, very common question and misconception, and that is, is it bad to let your child cry it out? Because here I've said, oh, I don't recommend that. And also, oh, go ahead and respond to your child when they're younger or if they're older, you can give them a little more time, but go in and check on them. 
No, it is not bad to let your child cry. Here's the thing, and I I think it's kind of um not funny. Maybe it's ironic. Uh maybe not. I don't know the right word for this. Here I am an English major and I can't even think of the right word. A lot of parents find daytime crying and nighttime crying different. Right? Like if your baby is crying when you're changing their diaper or when you're putting them into their car seat, you just kind of blow it off. Or if your toddler is crying because they're bored with the TV show that you're watching, you just kind of let it go and you're like, eh, it's fine. You'll be okay. But for nighttime crying, it's like, oh, you can't let your child cry. Why is that? I really don't know why that is, but it's just kind of something I've noticed. Crying is your child's way of communicating. It is one of the ways that your child communicates and that is okay. We cannot not let our children cry, right? We cannot like run every single time they start crying if like as long as they're safe and they're okay, we can't just not let them cry. You know, that's how they communicate. That's how they are emoting everything they're feeling. They might be tired. They might be frustrated. They might be confused at the changes, but we can't just assume that that is going to damage them because it's not. There have been multiple studies and I'll link them in the show notes. I'll link one of the ones that I reference all the time. There have been studies done that show that there are no negative impacts of letting your child cry or using a cry it out method overnight. In fact, there was one study done where they did a follow-up. So they looked at five years after children had been sleep trained. They looked at the attachment to the parents, the mental health of the children, the anxiety the children were experiencing, and there was no difference between that group of children and children who hadn't been sleep trained. But you know what was different? The children who had been sleep trained were getting more sleep when they were younger. So I want you to put your mind at ease. You're not damaging your child if you're selecting a method that results in them crying, right? Because no matter what method you choose, any change is going to be hard for your child. And usually the first few days are going to be the hardest. So just head in with that mentality. The other point that I want to make is this. I know that there are some people who say, oh, don't respond to your child. They're just manipulating you. And I don't want you to believe that because they're not. Your child is not that logical yet to know that, oh, if I cry, mom will come back and they'll rock me to sleep or they'll feed me to sleep. So I'm just going to keep crying. Now, yes, if every single time you do that, if your child's crying and you respond in that way, they're going to expect that, but they cannot manipulate. That is not a logical development that they have formed yet. So I want you to know that. I want you to know that you can respond to your child if they're crying, if you need to, that is their way of communicating. But on the flip side, what I just said, crying, letting them cry is not going to damage them. So you have to find the fine balance and really tune into your child's cry to know if it's really just a fuss or if they need you and they're crying. Now, the other point is this. During sleep training, if you're doing it correctly and you're staying consistent, consistency is key. Your child will not cry more than an hour or so on the first three days. 
And if it's been two weeks and your child is still crying whenever you put them down, then there is something that is off. Okay, this might be something with their routine or it might be an emotional thing that they are going through. Whatever the case is, something is off and we just need to figure out what that is because it should not last that long. And I do not want you to be a month into sleep training and your child is crying every single time they are put in their crib. So just keep that in mind. Crying is okay, but for sleep training purposes, really it's only a few days that you'll see that crying and then it should considerably lessen over time. When I work with families, I look at what the child is used to. So what is the current situation going on? Are they sleeping in mom and dad's arms? Are they sleeping in their bed? And then I figure out what the parents desire. What do you want? Do you want to keep rocking your child or do you want them to fall asleep on their own? And then I use what I know works best. So sometimes I'll make a custom approach for a family if their situation is unique. But here's the thing. All of the methods work. Every single method works. I have used every method with different families. It just requires consistency. If you want to see change, you have to stay consistent. And that's it. There is no secret. There is no magic trick to getting your child to sleep. You just have to stay consistent. This is true if your child is six months old or if your child is six years old. If you want to see changes in their sleep, you have to stay consistent. If you're doing one thing one day and the next day it's completely different and the next day it's completely different, your child is not going to know what to do. They are not going to automatically just start sleeping on their own. They're confused. So you have to stay consistent in the approach that you take to start to see that change. Y'all, that's it. I know this episode was a little longer than others, but I really wanted to give you a good idea of the different methods that are out there. Extinction, aka cry it out, timed intervals, or camping out in your child's room. Of course, you can modify those to do what works best for you. But I wanted to give you just a brief overview so that you can find something that works well for your family, for your child, for your situation. And I hope all good things come your way when it comes to this process. I I really want you to stay focused on your family, ignore what other people are saying, do what works for you, whether that's sleep training or not. If not, that's perfectly fine, but I hope that this episode just illuminated a little more about what possibilities are out there. Don't forget to follow me on social media so that we can continue to hang out. Sweet dreams, y'all. Thank you.